Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org. And don't forget to subscribe. There we go. She's a great mom. She's also <laughs> recently a great granny, which oh, is amazing. Yes. Every time I look at her, her WhatsApp there on the picture, I just see her grandson. I don't That's even see her anymore. Yeah. It's just a little boy. Yeah, um, yeah. Mercia is amazing. She is a lover of God. She has a heart for God. She is passionate about God. Mercia is a prayer warrior. And she doesn't do anything without praying. Mm-hmm. I was, um, Lareka and I were, were, teasing her, were teasing her in her absence because I asked Mesha, I said, Mesha, would you preach for us on the 8th of May? And Mesha said, I'm going to go pray and ask God. <laughs> what we were teasing about is Lareka and I at that point, are you, will you preach on the 8th? Yes. What, what, what do you want us to talk about? But it really challenged me, Mesha, to actually just be that faithful, to actually go seek the Lord. So I said to Lareka, has she said yes? I said, she's asking Jesus. As soon as he says yes, she will get back to us. And I'm very grateful Jesus said yes, and we're so glad to have you tonight, Mercia. Oh, bless oh, wow. you. Thank you so much. I must admit, when I got those notes, I thought, uh-uh, I don't think I can do this. This greatest love story is amazing. And the series that we've had through the last couple of weeks was just so outstanding. I thought, Lord, I don't know. So I'm just going to give you a wee bit of what could have been shared tonight. But thank you so much for the opportunity. I love the opportunity. I know that God is good and he's going to do something tonight because he always does. Amen. So let's just pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're a good God. You're a big God. You're an awesome God. Speak through my vocal cords. I thank you that my tongue is a pen of a ready writer. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we're going to receive from you. We're going to take from you. Father, and we're going to go away changed. Because we're not only hearers of your word, but we are doers as well. Just bless us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Um, It's a huge honor for me just to talk about Israel's journey, and it's just an example of God's constantly pursuing us. The story of Israel is an example of a relationship the Lord wants to have with us from the Red Sea through the wilderness and the downward spiral of idol worship, and we see how God constantly pursued them and constantly pursues us. The main text is taken from 1 Corinthians 10, 1 to 12. There's an echo in my ear, and I'm not sure why, and it's a bit irritating to me. <laughs> Sorry, man. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. 
We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example. But they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he fall. And just as God the Father loved the Israelites of the Old Testament, so he loves us. They were chose the chosen people, and so are we. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. God's purpose was to bring the Israelites, the chosen people, out of slavery, out of bondage, into freedom. Just like our salvation brings us out of the kingdom of darkness and places us into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of his dear son. I just love that. So there are three things to take away from today's message. Number one, God desires to have an intimate relationship with us. Number two, the journey prepares us for our destiny and faith is the key to our victory. God desires to have an intimate relationship with each and every one of us. And our relationship with God is that of father and daughter, father and son, father and child, God is always ever daddy to each of us. God has no grandchildren. Only children, praise God. Years ago, Mark and I were just struggling as parents, and it's Mother's Day today, thank God. We are over that, Mark. Not entirely, but that was just a terrible time that we were going through with one of our, our, our daughters, and uh, we were really struggling. I had a, a large armchair in our house, and I'd go there on a regular basis, and I'd sit there, and I'd read my Bible, and I'd pray and have great fellowship with the Lord. And on this particular day, I was just beside myself. I didn't know what to do. Just, everything just seemed to be getting worse in our home. And I got up onto the chair, and I kind of just curled, you know, on that chair as if I was sitting on Daddy's lap. And I said, Lord, you know what I'm going through. You, a parent, and even your parent, your children go haywire, and they do strange things that you don't want them to do. But you know, I just felt such a peace come over me. And I knew that Daddy God, Abba Father, he's got this. And he was going to bring us through, and he did. Amen. And I sense God's love in that moment. I sense that he would take care of us as a family. And he continues to do that. He loves doing that for his children. God was ever to the children of Israel. He led them out of Egypt, holding their hands every step of the way. Please read the story from Genesis to Malachi. There is so much for you to take away from this journey. 
You know, even just reading, I told Pastor Greg that I've just started reading Exodus, you know, when, when the Lord came and took them out. And I read as much as I can. And we are struggling in the situations that we find ourselves today. COVID has just messed up everything, I think. And so, you know, just go and read that and you'll just see what a big God this is. What an awesome God. And if he did it for the children of Israel, he's going to do it for us again. Amen. We win. So God desired to speak directly to the children of Israel, but they chose Moses to be their spokesperson. God never intends for you and I to go via a priest, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. He always wants to speak directly to us. Most times a prophetic word, when it comes, it should only confirm what God has already spoken to you. So as a good father, he always gives clear direction and guidance, and that's how he brought the, the Israelites out of Egypt. And that's the kind of relationship he wants with you and I. You see, God sees more than we do. He knows more than we do. So who better to lead us and guide us on this journey than Father God and the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus was the cloud by day and fire by night to show the Israelites exactly where to go. And they were protected and sufficiently provided for on their journey. The Israelites left Egypt with silver and gold. None was feeble and their clothing never wore out. Can you even imagine that? For 40 years that is powerful. When we know this to be true of God, he will do the same for us because he is a big God. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, in the desert, it's extremely hot during the day and it's freezing cold at night. What I didn't know as I, I learned from Pastor Greg recently was that the cloud was not only to direct the people to tell them to move on, but it was also a cold or cool mist to keep them cool during the day. And at night, there was this fire to warm them, but it was also to keep the enemies away. And how awesome wasn't, wasn't that? Because the enemy would look at the fire and say, I'm not going near. Amen? So this is what God does for us. You know, I've always prayed in this prayer that, Lord, um, protect us and watch over us. And we know that Psalm 91 protects us. The blood of Jesus covers us. Angels guard and surround us. And this is what God is doing for us constantly. Amen? So the Israelites left Egypt and they were equipped. And so God was clear his intention was to take them all to the promised land. He didn't want anyone left behind. And this promised land was going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. Who doesn't want to go to a land like that? It was to be a good land, a spacious land, and it was also the land of freedom because they had just come out of slavery and bondage. You know, God is in hot pursuit of each and every one of us. And he is relentless about us walking in the plan and the purpose that he has for us. When he said in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, I alone know the plans I have for you. 
plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to bring about the future you hope for. I believe that God meant that. And if He knows the plan, then we are going to have to connect with Him. We're going to have to fellowship with Him. We're going to have to be intimate with Him so that He can show us the plan and the purpose that He has for us. Years ago, I was really tired of just got to a point in my place where I was just so tired of being feeling guilty and ashamed and condemned and um, just a lot of things that I was struggling with. It wasn't outward. I had a wonderful husband I still have. We had a beautiful home. But internally, the turmoil, the guilt and the condemnation was just unbearable. And one day, I just, I, I sat in my lounge, and I just cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, if you are out there, you can't possibly call me to this earth, and I live such a miserable life. I said, Lord, if you are out there, change things for me. And you know, immediately, I felt the hand of God, and I imagine I heard a voice saying to me, Mercia, I want to change things for you. You know, every time I repeat this, I just get so emotional because I look at my life. My life didn't change instantly, but man, my life is much better than it's ever been before. God is a good God, and He wants to change things for us. I don't care where you are at this very moment. You know, I want you to know that God wants to bring about change. Because he loves you. And he wants to take you into a land flowing with milk and honey. Amen. God desires to change things for you and for I. Much as he changed my life and the life of the Israelites when he brought them out of Egypt. God pursued me when I called out to him at that moment. He came near to deliver me from the chains and the bondage I was in. Slavery and bondage was not God's plan for the children he loves. He raised up Moses to bring them out, and he sent Jesus to die to bring you and I out. Jesus' death reconciles us to God, but he also brought freedom, and freedom comes from knowing God's truth. John 8 verse 31 to 32 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. God's truth is vital to our relationship with him. Without his truth, we can't have a relationship with him. John 14 verse 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so we have access to the Father only through Jesus, not because we have done anything amazing. John 1 verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, God couldn't look at the sin of his people, so he sees you and I through the blood of Jesus Christ. A relationship with God starts with knowing His Word. His Word is filled with promises, guidance, direction, and warning. The Ten Commandments was not given to show them their sin or us our sin, but, not, but to keep us out of bondage. 
The first commandment was, you shall have no other gods beside me. Throughout the wilderness experience, idolatry was what they turned to. The golden calf made God very angry. Because if you read the book of Exodus, often the Lord is saying, have no other gods besides me. Have no other gods besides me. Have no other god beside me. And in Exodus 32 verse 4, And he, Aaron, received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. And then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. How sad. God showed them his powerful hand in Egypt when he saved the Israelites, the firstborn children, their firstborn children, while the Egyptians' firstborn children were killed. There was light in Goshen when it was pitch dark in Egypt. And the children of God said, the golden calf is the God who brought them out. Family, God hates idol worship. Anytime we value things above God, it's idolatry. What are the idols in your life? If all you think of is making money or your business or your job or education or ministry, you place in these things above your relationship with God. It's idolatry. It's unhealthy and we wonder why things are not working out for us. Idolatry takes you and I away from having an intimate relationship with God. There is a whole chapter in Exodus where God gave the Israelites clear instructions and direction regarding things they would face. God shared with them about treating foreigners well, how to take care of virgins and of widows, what to do about stray animals, about accidental or intentional deaths, etc. Everything that the Israelites would face, everything that we would face in life was recorded in the Bible for our benefit. And there wasn't a thing God didn't instruct them about. This is our God. This is the God that we serve. Amen. He wants to lead us by the hand. He wants to show us where to go because he wants us to succeed. We have this book, the Bible. It's our blueprint for living life to the full. And the Bible helps us to stay clear from living messed up and making wrong decisions. God's word is full of promises, direction, clarity of purpose, and warning. While I was studying for this message, I was reminded that God, God warned me to run on the night that I was raped. Many years ago, I was about age 20, maybe 21, I can't quite remember, but I was raped. I fell pregnant from the rape, and I decided to have an abortion. I was going to tell nobody about it. I think many people today know my story. But um, God was faithful. And I remember I was just sharing with Pastor Greg that I'd never told anybody this, but just as I was going through this, this teaching and just hearing what the Lord would say, the Lord reminded me about that night. I went to visit friends, and I was in this house, and for no reason I ran away from that house. I ran away and 
friends came after me. I didn't even know why I was running away. I just felt in my heart I needed to go, and that's what I did. And friends followed me, and they insisted, what is wrong with you? Just come back. I said, no, I don't know, but I, I think I need to go back home. But I allowed myself to be influenced by them, and I went back to that house. And that night I was raped, and everything changed in my life. I was on this downward spiral. I'm just getting tongue-tied here tonight, Satan. <laughs> Get out <laughs> in Jesus' name. And um, I felt like used, damaged goods. I wasn't good enough. Who was going to marry me after that? And I, uh, I just went on a crazy um, existence for a long time. And I kept this all to myself, even with the abortion. Never told anybody I was going to take it to my grave but I told Jesus later. But thank God, my whole life changed. But did God count me out? No, he continued to pursue me. And I am so grateful that he did. I know without a shadow of a doubt that my God loves me. And he's so proud of me. Amen. And he feels the same way about you. Doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what you've done, if it was your fault or not your fault. God at this moment is pursuing you. Come home, child. Come and have a relationship with me. I want to fellowship you with you. I want to tell you things. I want to do things with you. Amen. And so tonight, what is Jesus warning you about? The company you keep? Spending too much time at the office? The relationship that you're in? Not taking care of your body, the adulterous relationship you keep going back to, what is God warning you about? He's warning you so that he can bring you out and so that he can bring freedom, so that he can love on you and that you will know that he loves you unconditionally the same yesterday, today, and forever. God desires a relationship with you and I, and it, can, and it can only happen when we spend time in his word and prayer. Relationships takes time, and it's built on trust and communication. You know, years ago, I had just come to know the Lord as Savior, and I was working with a very strong Christian. Her name was Karen. Karen and I got together at lunchtimes, and we prayed together, and we read the Bible together, and um, we just try to encourage each other. I didn't encourage as much because I didn't have much word in me, but I knew how to pray. <laughs> Amen. And Karen, whenever we got together, Karen had a psalm. And one day I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, give me also a psalm, man. <laughs> Karen always has a psalm. And you know, I heard so clearly, Mercia, the reason why Karen has a psalm is because Karen spends time in the psalms. And that really spoke to me. That is relationship. That is relationship right there. And I remember going home and I decided I'm going to start reading the psalms. 
and I'd read five chapters of Psalms every day, and at the end of the month, I would have read 150 Psalms. And in the Psalms, I heard and I read how big God is, how wonderful He is, how merciful He is, how gracious He is, how He is for me and not against me. And I loved reading the Psalms. I don't do it as much as today, but I loved it back then. And then I read Proverbs, and I'd read a, proverb, a chapter of Proverbs every day, and at the end of 31 days, I would have read 31 chapters of Proverbs. And Proverbs tells us how to live life daily, what to do and what not to do. And so I'd encourage you to get started and read the Word of God. I fell in love with the Word of God. And when you fall in love with the Word of God, you fall in love with God. Amen? So we are not going to have a relationship with God without spending time with Him. A while back, Mark and I were out with friends of ours, and um, the husband said to us, you guys constantly finish each other's sentences. It must have something to do with your 30-odd years of marriage. <laughs> And we never even realized that we finish each other's sentences. But you see, I know Mark. Mark knows me. I can even think for Mark most of the time. <laughs> Amen. So at the same with Jesus, the same with God. We've got to read the Word, and that's how we're going to know God. When we read so much of the Word of God, out of our mouth will just come. The Word of God. Amen. I must confess, I struggled to read God's Word in the beginning. And I also told God, I said, it's boring. It doesn't make any sense to me. You know? And so during that time, what I did was I read a lot of Christian books. And it helped me. You know, it helped me with the area of brokenness. And, uh, and it was good for me for a while. But I remember eventually the Lord said to me, Mersh, I want you to put the books away. I want to speak to you myself. I want to give you revelation. And you know, I started doing that, Zach, and oh my word, I couldn't stop reading the Bible. All of the words just started falling off the page. And I thought, oh my word, a revelation that was directly for me. And, you know, suddenly I was able to speak to other people about the word of God because I had my own revelation. And that's what we want to get to. Amen? Amen. I'm so glad I started re reading the word for myself because I fell in love with God's word. And I fell in love with him. Number two is the journey prepares us for our destiny. The wilderness would be their testing ground, the journey to their destiny. The promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey was the Israelites' future, but they kept looking back at what they had in Egypt. And we do that so often. We look back all the time, and it's not going to help us if we keep looking back. What is preventing you from entering your promised land? The Israelites went around the mountain for 40 years instead of 11 days. God had to take them around about because he knew that they would turn back to Egypt. Exodus 13, 17 to 18, then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go 
that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. This could have been an amazing, fun journey for the Israelites. They saw miracle after miracle, the Red Sea parting, the Egyptians drowning, water coming from a stone, manna from heaven every day, enough for everyone. There was none feeble. feeble. <laughs> Satan, I'm done with you. I've had enough. <laughs> Throughout their wilderness experience, God fought for the Israelites, and they only lost the battles when they were disobedient to God's instructions. God warned the Israelites not to take any of the cursed things. Their disobedience brought about much destruction and devastation. When Achan hid the cursed things, many died. Joshua 7, 10 to 12 the sin of Achan. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned and that they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies but turn their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. God gives us instructions for our own benefit. There was a time in my life where I had terrible nightmares and I was afraid to sleep. And one particular night, I had a dream. And in the dream, Jesse Duplantis came to me. And if, I don't know if you know Jesse Duplantis, but he's a really funny guy. And I could only really listen to him. I was struggling with depression at the time. And I needed to laugh. I needed to learn to laugh at myself and laugh at my surroundings and things that was happening because I was so serious about everything. A perfectionist like you can't believe, which I believe is from the pit of hell. <laughs> and um, I struggled. And uh, so anyway, I'd listened a lot to Jesse DePlantis, and so I think that's why the Lord brought him to me in the dream. But in the dream, Jesse Duplantis says to me, Mercia, you need to remove the buckles. Get rid of the buckles. And I was wondering, buckles, what is this all about? Must be one of that pizza dreams. But you know what? I take dreams very seriously. So I really meditated on this thing. Lord, what are you saying? What are you telling me to do? What is this all about? And one day, one afternoon, I remembered that Mark and I stayed in Australia for a year and a half. And while there, I bought this belt. And you could buy different buckles to attach onto this belt. And I remembered the buckles. 
And I thought, I know where it is. It's in a drawer. It's in a bag that I had there. And I went to fetch the buckles. When I looked at the buckles, they had snakes and they had skulls and everything crazy on them. What was amazing to me was while I was unsaved, it never ever bothered me. But now that I'm a Christian, you see how Satan will look for stuff to infiltrate and come and affect you. And I got those buckles that day, and I took them across the road. There was this large waste bin, and I was hoping and praying no one finds the belt and the buckles because I didn't want them to experience what I was going through, all the nightmares. And from that night, the dream, the nightmares stopped. God wants to warn us, friends, about things. Now, I don't want to spook you guys. And I don't want you going home to look for stuff. <laughs> you know, I'd listen to preaching like this, and I'd say to Mark, you can't wear that jeans, and you can't do this, and there's stuff in the house, and this needs to be thrown away, and that. So I don't want you to do that, because if God sees anything around you or in you, he will speak. Amen? Amen. So, yeah, this is the God that we serve. He's always trying to get things to us, and he will speak, even if it's in a dream. When God warns, heed the warning. So we are going to have to overcome obstacles and hurdles, but if we keep focused on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, things are going to turn out all right for us. We get to win. Amen? John 16, verse 33 in the Amplified, I just love this. I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you will have tribulation and trials, but be confident, take courage, be certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I've deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. The Israelites grumbled and complained. They murmured and moaned continuously on their journey. Could your grumbling and moaning keep you going around the same mountain, even preventing you from entering your promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey? Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. There is so much power in our tongue. We have to be careful not to grumble and moan and complain continuously. Our words are important. We have to ask the question, why am I going around the same mountain? It's certainly not something God's doing. It has to be a result of our own actions, not God's. I've learned that God never wastes any trials that we go through. I've had many trials, some extremely hard. Things I thought we'd never get through, but we got through them. We survived, and those hard lessons have softened our hearts toward others. Where we were judgmental and critical has made us compassionate and gracious. Unless you've gone through some stuff in your life, you cannot sympathize or be gracious to others. So we are going to learn some hard lessons on the journey, but always remember 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you but what is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear, but will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. 
Many died in the wilderness. Number three, faith is the key to our victory. Gideon's story really speaks to me. It appears he was the right man for the job. He was called great man of valor. And to me, that meant that he was chosen for this. He was anointed to do this, and he was set apart. Judges 6, 12 to 17 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Judges 6, verse 36 to 40. So Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, Look, I shall put a fleece of wool in the th on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. That should have been enough for Gideon when God said, you a man, mighty man of valor, but it wasn't. But Gideon constantly needed signs and a fleece that God was with him. And Gideon knew it was the Lord because he responded to the Lord. Gideon mentioned all the miracles his forefathers told him. And we do exactly what Gideon did. We read about the amazing miracles recorded in the Old Testament. And we listen to testimonies like mine and others. And we still doubt God's faithfulness, His compassion, His promises, and His blessings. And we allow them to go over our head instead of penetrating our heart. How many times does God tell us exactly what He has called us to do? But we allow fear and doubt to keep us from fulfilling his plan for our lives. Yet God goes ahead of us. He makes a way in the desert. He strengthens us for his purpose. He provides for us along the way and goes with us every step of the way, just like he did the Israelites on their journey. Our part, brothers and sisters, family, on this journey is that we walk by faith. Jesus constantly told us in the New Testament about walking in faith. To the centurion whose servant was sick, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, I have, found, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. 
To the woman with the demon-possessed daughter, Jesus said, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. To Thomas, who needed to see the nail-scarred hands and feet, Jesus said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Romans 10 verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Hebrews 11, 1 to 2, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11 verse 11, by faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. 1 John 5 verse 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. In conclusion, the Israelites saw the hand of God constantly, and they quickly forgot his generosity, his faithfulness, the power during their journey. Let us never forget. We have this amazing book, Our Blueprint for Living Life, and we get to read the stories of God's faithfulness, his compassion, his love for the people that so often lets him down. We cannot be faithful during this, faithless during this time, family. We should be full of faith, have great faith, have mountain-moving faith. I've seen so many miracles in my life. I cannot but serve God. My husband's salvation, an atheist he was, serving God today, that reminds me of God's goodness and his faithfulness. I was healed from severe depression, which I struggled with for over two years, and I heard voices telling me, kill yourself, you have no worth and value. I'm still here today, and I'm sharing the story. There was the rape and the abortion that took me down a crazy path, but God pursued me, and I am eternally grateful, and my life is much better than it's ever been before. I want to encourage you, stay in the word, desire intimacy with God more than anything else. And God will take you places you never dreamed possible. Amen and amen. Mersha, thank you so, so much. Thank you for your vulnerable and uh, for the testimonies that you've shared tonight. Who, who feels like faith was rising in their hearts tonight? Amen. So when Mercia was talking in that beautiful picture of her cur curling up on that chair as if she was curling up on God's lap and just saying, God, <laughs> life can't be this miserable. I, I felt something in the room as she was saying that. And you know, Mercia's talked to me a lot about her life. We, we've shared a lot and when she was saying that, you know, God changed things, He did, but I know Mercia's story, and I think she would agree, God changed you, you, didn't He? And that's what changed your life. And so some of us are crying out for God to change things, but what He really wants to do is change us. It's change us. Um, 
You know, I had to learn this as a young Christian, and I'm still learning it, and I still forget and then have to relearn it, is that when it comes to God, I come to Him on His terms. I dictate nothing. I deserve nothing. I am owed nothing. Jesus paid the price. It's done. I owe a lot. He's the only one that makes me worthy. And so when I'm frustrated with my life, when I'm upset with God, when I'm angry with Him, when I'm shouting at Him, when I'm like, God, why can't you just take it away and fix it? What's going on? I have to remember that I come to Him on His terms. And Mercia spoke about it, the murmuring, the complaining, the grumbling that God calls out repeatedly in the book of Exodus. Because he's feeding them every day. That, that image of the cloud as mist that cooled them. I've been in the desert they walked in. In the daytime, it's 47 degrees. At night, it's minus 12. Do you see the, the cloud and fire? It's God's goodness. For me, that image of the fire by night, they were literally passing through land their enemies controlled. Who in their right mind is going to attack a people that has a pillar of cloud by night? God looked after them. It actually says in that Bible, their shoe leather never wore out for 40 years. They didn't see any of that. And I've realized, for me that translates to this, that sometimes in my life there's a situation, this temporary situation in my life, and what I do is I minimize God's goodness to one thing that isn't even gonna be here in two days time. And I make my whole relationship with him, my whole faith in him, my whole trusting him about that one thing. Psalm 103 tells us, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not what, all his benefits. We are quick to forget. The Holy Spirit comes and convicts our hearts. So when Mercia was curling up on that chair and she was crying out for God to change her life, she then had to be obedient to what God wanted to change inside of her. And that's what changed her life. And if you were blessed tonight, if you thought she was delightful and wonderful, that's why. And so I feel like some of us do need God to change our lives, but we need to be willing to let Him change us first. So I'm going to ask the ministry team, connect group leaders, hub leaders, anybody who's here, why don't you come up right now and we're going to pray for you. And if you're that person who's saying, God, I need this stuff to change, but I, I hear what Mercia said, I hear what Pastor Greg said, maybe I need to change a little bit first. If that's you, then come down for prayer. There's no shame. Did you hear Mercia's testimony? Why can she be that open and vulnerable? Because that's not who she is. That's what happened to her. But Jesus received her. Jesus accepts her. And it's the same for you. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done or what you've seen or what you've heard. It really doesn't. Tonight you can come. You can make right with God. You can recommit and you can keep walking. So if that's you, won't you come down right now? Amen. 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 Amen.
And the rest of you, if you just realize that you need to change it, let me just pray and then you're going to come down for prayer as well. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you want intimate relationship with us. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for that, Lord. We want intimate relationship with you, and we don't want anything to be hindering us, Lord God. When we look at the circumstances of our lives, we don't want that to dictate to us whether you're good or not, Lord God. Father God, we want to repent of our grumbling, of our complaining, of our fighting with you, Lord God. We want to remember your benefits tonight, and we want to let you have all our heart, all our life. We ask for you to come, Lord Jesus, and reveal again to us your goodness, your mercy, your grace. And we want to recommit to you. And where you are in your heart, just make that recommitment. And once you've done that, you're welcome to, to, to leave the auditorium. If you need prayer, please come down. God bless you guys. God bless you.